Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 2, Episode 20. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. Guys, I'm 20 now. <laughs> Happy 20 birthday what? to me. 21. 27. 27. <laughs> Welcome to the late 20s club. You've joined us. <laughs> Thank you. It feels awful to be here. I'd like to go oh, in a time machine. Andrew, Andrew. Back. I promise you it doesn't get better. Oh, thank you. Very, <laughs> very inspiring. Actually, it did get better for me. Um, on my birthday, I was in Vegas, and I won a few hundred dollars. So it was I a, saw that. Yeah. 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 Trip. Oh, yeah. I saw all of your obnoxious Snapchats, too. Mm-hmm. I, took, I took an obnoxious snap of myself depositing my winnings into the, the Vegas ATM and sent it to Laura with the cash raining down Snapchat filter. <laughs> Probably should have just stuck that right in your IRA at this point. Yeah, seriously. Cashing out soon. That way you'll at least have a few hundred dollars when you retire. Yep. Reminds (laughs) me of the days when I was 21 in Vegas and you guys hired me a male stripper for my birthday. Thank you for that. (laughs) Sebastian. Oh, good times. Oh, man. For old times sake, we should have done that. We'll do it next year. That is still the most awkward, (laughs) gross, uh, just weirdest moment of my life. You no, know, I'm not kidding. Went straight into the bathroom and masturbated afterwards. For anybody who doesn't know, uh, as kind of like a gag, Laura, Matt, and Elisa legitimately hired a male stripper for my 21st birthday, and he came into the room acting like a mechanic or something. <laughs> and then I don't know what how he transitioned into his his dance, but he did. <laughs> the video. <laughs> Video of you. Video's so good. No, but I loved how. Can like, we release that video? Yeah, I'm comfortable yeah, with that now. Like- what was great was that he was he knew that you were uncomfortable, but he didn't know that you were gay. So, like at the very end, he was like, "Happy birthday, dude!" <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should find that video and share it. We should. Well, Andrew, I hope you had a good birthday. Um, before we we move on though, can you look at something real quick? I just sent you something. Oh God, what did you do? Some- I didn't, we didn't do, do anything. anything. Send it where? Oh, okay. To your messages. Clicking it. <laughs> <laughs> what does that say? Can you read it? It looks you- like these three have given me a birthday gift. There's a new word on Urban Dictionary. It's it says it, the word is simming. <laughs> What the fuck? Can you read that? It says the act of eating a donut off of a penis. That's the definition. It has 227 upvotes. How did you guys get so many upvotes? Well, first, let me clarify. This was not a birthday present from us. We don't care about you that much. (laughs) This is actually a birthday present from the listeners. Oh, wow. So... This was actually initiated, the, the sort of um, project manager behind this was listener Cameron Ross, and he <laughs> got in touch with us a couple of weeks ago and told us about his idea, and we thought it was totally brilliant, so we started working to like get all the listeners into this private Facebook chat <laughs> oh, to like, get them to upvote this thing, because we didn't want to put it in the group where you would see it. Um. 
But yeah, it was such an awesome idea. And Cameron, like, thank you so much for this. Cause yeah, it's great. It's um, fucking hilarious. I see yeah. there's a button here that says buy the mug. Yeah, don't do that because um, <laughs> you're, you're already getting one. Oh, shit. No shit. Oh, well, that's awesome. All right. Good thing you told me that because I would have done it anyway. <laughs> well, thank well, you, everybody. Here's my favorite thing. You should scroll down. Uh, yeah, I am now. <laughs> you guys have tarnished the word simming. It used to mean to play The Sims, the video game. No, it doesn't. It does. I've actually used it for that before. No, this definition was always the same for us. Thank you, Cameron and everybody else. That's that's really wonderful. But as you guys were just setting up this surprise right now, I kept looking over my shoulder because I was afraid like a stripper was going to come in or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's after dark. <laughs> okay. We're going to be simming. Uh, that's so cool, honestly. Like... I have a lasting legacy now, finally. Exactly. You have something you can put on your resume. Yeah. You finally made it. I'm going to ask Mike if he wants to, to sim tonight. He'll be like, what? <laughs> Carb. <sighs> sim job. Well, while I'm ordering donuts, what's this uh, next thing here? Oh, Lisa, I think you're setting this up, right? <laughs> what? No. Oh, so basically... We wanted to plug <laughs> last week's After Dark. Oh. Um, we're really, we're really professional here. Um, we did an AMA style After Dark where we took a whole bunch of questions from you guys in our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash millennial. Did I get that right? Um, <laughs> whatever. Just you'll figure it out. Mm. Um, and there was a lot of really fun questions that we answered. There was a good mixture of serious stuff and... Not so serious stuff. Um, the only one that I can remember right now is the one where we were asked about the weirdest place we've ever had sex. Ah. Um, so there were some interesting answers there. So tune in if you're interested in hearing that. Yeah, it was fun. Now, I say the playground wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like on the ground. Like we were using the swings and shit. Like we were, we were using the equipment. Funny enough, my strangest place is also a children's playground. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, it was with Laura. <laughs> it was on a slide. What is with child playgrounds that really gets you ladies in the mood? No, I think it's just that, you know, it, in the middle of the night, nobody's fucking there. So, you know. Yeah. You're fucking there. I was going to say, except me, I'm fucking there. <laughs> it was fun. And we're going to be doing more AMAs, but turning them onto the listeners. Yeah. And that, that's what I was confusing. Mm hmm. You get to do the work, not us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then another announcement. So our millennial t-shirt golden ticket recipients, um, all but one of you has received your golden tickets at this point. Um, so we actually have two people in the U.S. who receive tickets and two people internationally who receive tickets. Ooh. Not going to give specific locations yet because I'm not sure how comfortable they are with that. Um, we are waiting on the fourth one to arrive. There seems to be some postal difficulty going on there, but we'll f definitely figure it out. We did want to announce what your prize is going to be. And your prize for getting your golden ticket is that you actually get to leave your mark on Millennial by being on Millennial. Ooh. So sometime this summer, we are actually going to have you on an episode. Fun. And you're going to get to have some control over what the discussion is as well. So we will send the wheel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we will send 
the four of you more details um, to your emails over the next couple of weeks. So I'm just ex- stay tuned for that. This is yeah, exciting. Yeah, I love being submissive every once in a while. <laughs> I keep meaning to bring my millennial stickers places and, and put them put them all over the world. Um, anyway, we have a little news update first before we get into our regular news segment. And actually, we're going to do it different this week. We're going to do a kind of Jeopardy style to mix it up. But first, a serious update. Bill Cosby will actually be standing trial on a few assault charges more than a decade after he was first accused of sexual misconduct. A Pennsylvania judge found evidence, enough evidence during a hearing Tuesday to proceed with a criminal trial. It's not clear when his trial will start. I'll, I'll be very, very curious to see if it gets televised because I think... Uh, oh, you know it well. Oh, yeah, it's, gonna, it's well, going to... Well, it's up to the judge, right? So I, I think... Yeah, but these judges who end up on these high-profile cases totally love the court of public opinion because that's how you – you can really shoot to, like, judge stardom by doing stuff like this. Right. They'll get their own Judge Judy show or or they'll get American Crime Story Bill Cosby. (laughs) Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, I mean, it's about time. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's pretty stunning, right? That this is actually now he's he's actually standing trial now for some of these charges. There's going to be he's he's facing three counts of felony aggravated uh, indecent assault from a 2004 case involving Andrew Constand, an employee at his alma mater, alma mater Temple University. She was the first to come forward all those years ago, but since then, more than 50 women have come forward, as we all know. Uh, what was it? I mean, really, over the past few years, we've seen story after story, woman after woman coming forward yeah. about this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that'll be watch this space. It'll be interesting. I'll watch the trial. You, of I, course I, uh, well. I, I think this is going to kill him. I, I, like, I'm not kidding. You remember that Penn State guy, that Penn State coach yeah. who died during the whole Sandus- Sandusky thing? Bill Cosby's oh, I didn't, getting I didn't know he now. died. It, um, well, Sandusky didn't die. The the Penn State head coach. He oh, died. okay. Gotcha. Uh, like right around the same time, he had, I think he had cancer. Um, but it just you know the stress of this must kill you. Not that I have any sympathy for Bill Cosby. I'm just saying, like, you're just saying he deserves to die. Yeah, just basically. <laughs> yeah, well, he's 76 now. You see video of him now. He's kind of looking around. Yeah, he needs to die. Is what we, you're saying. We don't. We don't have to be absolutists. Like. You can be a terrible, terrible, awful human being, but uh, we don't wish death on you, (laughs) mostly. (laughs) Sure. Sometimes. A little bit. A little bit. 10%. So like I said, with news this week, we are going to do a Jeopardy style, and Laura's going to kick it off with our first category, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) So basically, when we introduce these stories, we're going to kind of give everybody an overview of the story and... As Andrew said, it will be Jeopardy style. So you're going to have to guess what the story pertains to. In the case of the story I'm about to talk about, it pertains to a specific country that my fellow co-hosts will have to figure out. And the rest of you at home can play along as well. Um, And in some other news stories, it might be in relation to a person or a thing. So this country has been hit by a double whammy of heat waves and droughts over the past two years. 
2,500 people died in the summer of 2015 as a result. And so far this summer, it's estimated that more than 370 people have died from heat stroke or drought-related illnesses. This country's capital hit a record temperature of 123.8 degrees Fahrenheit or 51 degrees Celsius last week. And as a result, the country's emergency management and meteorological it's a mouthful. Departments have declared a state of emergency. The cause of all of this is that this country's monsoon season has been unusually dry for 2015 and 2016. So our favorite culprit, global warming, at it mm. again. So I want you guys to think about it. What country do you think I'm talking about here? <sighs> Can I phone a friend? No. That's gonna, the right. Yeah, all three. Of them Lisa, right yeah, here. you 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 only have three friends and they're all on this call. So no. <laughs> Fuck. I'm gonna guess India. Okay. Uh, I know um, Alicia, and uh, who's one of our patrons. Um, she guessed uh, Vietnam, I believe. I saw that. It's a good one. I'm gonna say, what is Indonesia? What is Indonesia? Oh, why do you, why do you guys think this? Like, is there anything in particular that about the the details that I gave you that makes you think it might be those places? Like monsoon. Yeah, monsoon. I was gonna say that too. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Uh, I'm gonna guess the Philippines. Ooh, that's a good one too. Damn it. And it's also like kind of close to the equator. Like it's kind of, kind of, yeah. It's kind of close to the equator. Similarly yeah. to how like Puerto Rico is, just looking at a map. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, even countries that are close to the equator, that would be a very unusual temperature, even for them. Yeah, but like, yeah, but like, I don't know, you know? I just know. Yeah, yeah I do know. Mm-hmm. You do know? Uh, right. Not really, but I'm still sticking with Philippines. Philippines. All Let's right. With it. Final answers, everybody? Yes, locked in. Locked in. Matt. <laughs> All right. Well, as it turns out, Andrew was correct. It is India. Fuck. No. Um, Idiots. We gave that to you. Happy birthday. <laughs> Did I win like two thousand dollars, Alex? Um, you won something. Ooh. I won an ice pack <laughs> to, to bring with me to India to stay cool. Uh sexual favors. Next time I see you, I will buy you. Uh, a stripper named Sebastian. <laughs> okay. And he'll you. he'll sim your dick. Well, that's pretty alarming, <laughs> though. The, what? The, the Hiring heat. the stripper? No. The heat. Well, both, oh. but India. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, this we've talked about global warming pretty, or climate change, rather, rather extensively on this show. So I think this is just another symptom of the overall problem that we're having. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really just wanted to bring it to the forefront and kind of highlight it at the top of the news this week, because one of the things that we've talked about in the past is that people, they don't really find themselves being affected by global warming because they're not seeing the the real effects of it. So yeah. when, you hear, when you hear that between this year and last year, around 3000 people have died as a result of heat and drought, that's pretty extreme. I think I know how I knew that. I know how I knew this now. Um, I saw a photo last week of a road melting. And this this was I just looked it up again. This was from India. So the, the, the roads are literally melting over there. 
Can you imagine if this happened in America, which it probably will in another like 50 years as the as the temperature continues to climb? This this would probably make people realize we have a real problem. I can't imagine any other thing in America like starting to melt and people would finally be like, "Okay, fine. Climate change actually probably is real. Mm -hmm. I think it depends on where it happened in America. Um, If the roads started melting in Flint people would still be like, oh, it's a state's issue. Sorry, we can't deal with that. Um, <laughs> but if the roads started melting in like suburban, LA, like white bread, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Then everybody would be losing their fucking minds. Well, yeah. I remember uh, growing up in Palm Springs that our airports sometimes would close during the summer because the um, the runways would start melting. Yeah. And see, I mean, there in the desert, it's expected. But if this if this was seen in a place where you would never imagine it happening, if it's starting to affect our infrastructure, that's probably when people would actually take notice. Because the mm-hmm. rising ocean's like, oh, rising ocean, so what? Um, <clears throat> this, oh, this fucks my, with my commute. Well, fuck that. <laughs> I feel like the problem is still the same, though. Whether it's rising oceans or melting roads, the problem is still people aren't seeing the connection. I think it's funny to me. I hear I hear numbers like this, like three thousand people dying as a result of climate change. And if this were a disease, if this were like some new strain of some fucking bird flu or whatever, I mean, this would be all over the news. It would be a no brainer. But because it's climate change, I, I it's not. And I think the reason is because you can a disease you can test for that. You know, you can you can clearly see through like science will like put an actual strip of paper in your face saying, yes, positive bird flu, you're dead. Mm-hmm. But like with climate change, people still don't quite believe the connection. They're like, oh, well, people die all the time from heat stroke. It's not necessarily because of climate change. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that people don't. Yeah. They're not going to take notice. So here's my question for you. Is there any way that we can get in in touch with the PR team for climate change and see if we can get them to spin this so that they actually describe climate change like a disease? Like if they make people think that climate change is like Ebola, we would get that shit covered in like a minute. I hate to break it to you. I think we are the PR team for climate change. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's very a, sad. I don't think there's a lot happening out there, as we've talked about before. I was gonna say we we need to profile these people. You know how when there's when there's some sort of epidemic that you know the New York Times, the Washington Post, like they open the story talking about an individual who's been affected, like. You know, this person lost their grandmother to this. And there's a bunch of quotes about how they feel. And then later they launch into the numbers. That's what we need with this. We need somebody to go to India and interview some of these people and profile them. Because it's only when we attach a voice to the problem that anyone's going to listen to it. Well, if any of our listeners have friends and family living in India and you think they would be interested in reaching out and sharing some of their experiences related to this, please let us know. Email us at millennialshow at gmail.com. Yeah, I I agree. Mm -hmm. And and also, if you think you've been affected by climate change really directly anywhere, email us. Fuck it. We'll do it. We will do this. This will be the burden we bear. (laughs) Okay? This will be our cross. We'll handle it from here, guys. Calm down. I can't carry it, but I can carry you. 
Can't carry it for you, but I can carry it. That's oh, right. yeah, whatever. Close Listen, enough. just just get it. Just get, just it get right. your shit together. Just, get your shit you together. You know what? I just, you know, but time for that. Together. All right, we're moving on. This is. I have okay. no memory of this place. Next story. <laughs> A new congressional investigation has revealed that last year the NFL waged a, quote, improper behind the scenes campaign to influence a government study into this. The NFL promised a $30 million donation to the National Institutes of Health, but when they discovered that half of it would go toward researching this issue, they backed out. But by the time they backed out, the research had already begun, so the National Institutes of Health, i.e. the taxpayer, was forced to fund the study itself. It's also worth noting here that the NFL threatened to pull the funding before they actually did, telling the National Institutes of Health that if they didn't fire the lead researcher and or change the direction of the study, they would, in fact, rescind their money. So So what do you think is the issue that was being studied here? It's definitely the brain thing. Yeah, I was going to say concussions concussions. or something. Yeah, I don't know the exact technical term for it. yeah. Yeah. Well, fuck you guys then. <laughs> I mean, yes. I, yeah, I wouldn't win on Jeopardy if I had that answer. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a neuro, it's neurodegenerative brain disease as a result of repeated concussions. Mm. That's what they were. That's what they were going to be studying. And the lead researcher, the reason they wanted him fired is because he had already been an outspoken opponent of the NFL's policies and he'd already been very like clear about the science like yeah this is happening and the NFL's been covering up for a long time so they didn't want him in charge of it so they basically gave the National Institutes of Health an ultimatum they were like you can fire the researcher force him to change his results or we're taking our money back and when NIH refused to comply they did in fact take their money back so can I ask a question like the NIH felt like it needed to do a whole study to prove that repeatedly ramming your head into things is bad for you. Well, yeah. it's, it's not so much. So I don't have any of you guys seen um, the movie Concussion? No. no. Oh, I, God. I tried and then it grossed me out at the beginning. You really need to. It's so good. But the movie kind of explains this is that. Everyone always knew concussions were always bad for everyone. We always knew that. We always knew that repeated concussions by an order of magnitude are worse, of course. But it's really not a concussion. That's not what's actually happening. The concussion sparks it. It's the thing that triggers what's happening. But really, Mm -hmm. your brain starts deteriorating from the inside out. Your neurotransmitters just completely – they they physically deteriorate, which is not what a concussion is. So it kind of triggers – a completely separate medical process. Um, And they wanted to study that more, but specifically link it to sports injuries. And there's already been some studies on this, but if you watch the fucking movie, you'll see that no one wanted to fund that or get behind it either. So this was going to be like the official line of, of the U S government. And you know, no one's going to NFL's not going to stand for that. It's They're so, seriously fucking cultish yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it's so sad. It has to be said. They are doing this because they don't want people to realize 
they, it, they don't want it to be reiterated how dangerous playing football is. They want all the viewers to forget that these people, when they're playing, are fucking themselves up. These these injuries eventually lead to to serious mental disorders. Life, yeah, life threatening illnesses and and disabilities. I mean, suicide. Yeah, it can't be good for your health to like run with all of your fiber towards somebody within like a 10 foot distance. Yeah. And we at home, we all watch it and, you know, we see it happen. We're like, oh, shit. And then we tweet about it and like, it's cool. It's entertaining. But these people are doing it at the expense of their health. Uh, Very important aspects of their health. It's sad. And it's sad that the NFL wants to cover it up. But on the other hand, like they're getting paid tons of money. So it's like. It doesn't matter. The thing is, is that like there, these these the effects of this aren't taking decades, you know, to to manifest. It's not like they're sixty years old and and they start to deteriorate. It's usually mm-hmm. within, it's usually within like five to ten years. They're just gone. Yeah, like yeah. they're not. And like you, pretty you retire from you start football and retire from football pretty fucking early. So we're talking yeah. about guys in like their late thirties, early forties are just like mentally dead. They're, they're, they're done. Their lives are over. Mm-hmm. And this has happened to dozens of them. You really need to watch the movie, guys. It made me feel like shit, though, because I'm a big football fan. And I'm watching it thinking, God, now I'm going to have a moral crisis every Sunday. You should always have a moral crisis every Sunday. Well, here's my question. I'm not a football fan, so I genuinely do not know the answer. I mean, is there a way that this sport can be played without causing... No. All of these concussions. I don't like, think so. I think I mean, really almost every professional sport does have some sort of repercussion physically. No, she's talking. The, she means like but, this is very specific to like head injury, though. Yeah. I right. mean, obviously, anytime you play a sport, you run the risk of getting some kind of athletic related injury. And that's fine. Every time you get in a car, you run the risk of crashing it. But I mean, this is. It sounds like this is an epidemic. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, like, is there any way that the rules can be changed or can there be certain strategies that can be sort of outlawed? The fact that happening uh, as much American football and the fact that it's such a widely popular and celebrated sport in this country that they don't want to change it. That's why they're covering it up. Well, I don't to, to answer Laura's point. I, I don't know. I don't think they can because most of the people who are who are um, susceptible to this are like they're the one they're the ones who are they're you know part of American football is tackling and being tackled. I mean that's it's integral to the sport. You can't have the sport as it currently exists without tackling. So no, I mean we could rewrite it for sure. You can always change it, but I don't think it would be football as we know it at all. I think it'd be pretty much a different sport. It'd be more like football in like the the British sense of the word. Yeah, and like and like both of you are saying, people want to see this. They don't want the rules to change. They want to see people get tackled. That's part of the fun. Unfortunately. Yeah. Maybe until you're... we can <laughs> be also become the PR team for these types of head injuries. And like every time there's a football game on, we can live tweet it and like if there's a huge tackle, we can tweet and be like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. That guy totally just got a concussion. People and have just, tried. And yeah. then NFL commissioner Roger Goodell comes out and personally murders them. 
<laughs> so you can't do that. Damn it. Yeah. Sorry. So our next Jeopardy news item uh, starts this way. This country has fired more than 1,400 police officers over the past 80 days in a crackdown on corruption. The police force has let go of nearly 18 officers per day since the newly appointed general took office in February. The dismissals are part of a zero tolerance for corruption as the force seeks to improve its public image after recent scandals, including one connected high official or high level official to a prostitution ring. America. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Hmm. No, but it's a country, right? So I'm thinking that it must be a really small country. Okay. Because, I mean, p- at least in our country, like p- the police is not nationalized like it's usually Mm. like local state Mm -hmm. so when you say country i'm thinking somewhere really small um i think i think only because i've heard about really terrible corruption happening within the law enforcement there i'm gonna guess brazil okay i was going to say El Salvador. Just a guess. Mm. You know, I've gotten the past two right, so I'm not too fussed about getting this one right. Uh, I'm going to guess <laughs> Australia. You know, uh, Australia. Yeah. You clearly don't want to get this one right. <laughs> well, none of you guys were actually right. It is Colombia. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, this country has been having a real crackdown. The police force have actually been the front runner of trying to crack down on corruption with political officials and uh, other government uh, employees. Um, they've fired about 400 officers already for, uh, from just uh, participating in drug trafficking and taking bribes. And this is just a newly appointed commissioner of Colombia. I think it's pretty fucking amazing because Colombia is has that reputation of being like a very corrupted country. Yeah. You know, this topic has been brought up here in America a bunch. Uh, police have to be trusted. And setting examples like this where you're cracking down on the corruption, I think that's good. That That provides some trust in the community that, you know, these cops out there are good people. Can do you think that our country can do something like this though? No, probably not. Because well, I mean, it could on a local level, but like Laura said, all of our police are are, are managed locally. So, but it's not just. I mean, yeah, that's true. It's not just locally, but it's also the fact that we're a country of denying problems that are obviously apparent. Yeah, and as long what, as things get caught on tape these cops usually seem to be held accountable so only only when they're caught though i know but, well I so mean, my point is everybody needs yeah, to I mean, keep out their cameras more even, i'm gonna wear my own body cam here's the problem though even when they're caught ultimately a, a lot of the time nothing even happens yeah they'll get the lightest punishment or the yeah lightest. it like goes to the great it goes to a grand jury and they're like nope no issue well here. because oftentimes the people sitting on that jury are closely acquainted with um with the the person defending them 
Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like it's sort of like stacked in their favor. But I just, I just yeah, go ahead. I just really like this story because I feel like, like Matt was saying, I think a lot of Americans have this stereotype of Colombia, like it's this super corrupt country and they have all these drugs and like whatever. Um, but a lot of people, particularly uh, citizens of the U.S., don't consider the fact that well, one, the reason why there is such a high amount of drug traffic there is because of demand from the United States. If we didn't demand it, they wouldn't supply it. But two, that we also have a corruption problem in this country and we don't view ourselves as being corrupt by virtue of that. Like we Mm -hmm. are able to separate our, our country and our citizenry from that idea of corruption at some kind of law enforcement level. But then when we look at other countries that have law enforcement corruption issues, we just sort of like stereotype the whole thing and the whole place becomes corrupt. Yeah, and I just, I just think it's really important to point out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, kudos to Colombia for owning up to something and making, you know, changes towards finding a solution for it. So, next story. Our final news story here today. Everybody kind of knew the answer to this story, so this isn't going to be the most challenging of these little Jeopardy games. The first trailer was released for the live-action Beauty and the Beast, and it amassed this many million views, surpassing the record set by Star Wars The Force Awakens. How many million views in the first 24 hours? Damn. Uh, 56 million. Okay. I'm going to say... This is like Price is Right, right? So if I guess under, I win. Yeah, closest without going over. Okay, then... 19. I'm going to say... 8. 8 million? Yeah. Well, you're all wrong as fuck. It was 91.8 million. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I win. Hours. I win. Ding, 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 ding. I, was, I was trying to go low to win. Star Wars The Force Awakens came in at 88 million views. This is across, you know, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Yeah. Of course, Facebook is a huge source right now for video. Um, but, yeah, so this... It was a big deal. I think Beauty and the Beast is one of the most beloved animated Disney movies of all time. So um, between that fact and the fact that this movie stars Emma Watson, Dan Stevens, Ian McKellen, Ewan McGregor, Audrey McDonald, Emma Thompson. I just say a remarkable cast coupled with this amazing story. I'm really excited about this. Um, I was telling you guys this before we started recording, but Beauty and the Beast was actually my favorite Disney cartoon when I was a kid. Um, I watched it many, many times. I remember when it came out in theaters, I made my father for like take me four or five times Aww. to see it in theaters. I loved it. So I'm really, really excited to see this. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it too. Not sure if it was my favorite as a kid, but just even watching it now, I think I watched it two or three years ago Ugh, and you just I, get chills the music the animation it's all beautiful i know it's such I'm... a masterpiece of a disney film mm-hmm. 
But what are our feelings on live action adaptations? Disney has recently been putting into development several. Um, just over the past few years, we've seen Alice in Wonderland, Maleficent. Um, oh, you, you didn't have to choose those two examples. Well, no, those aren't the best. But arguably the best one so far is The Jungle Book, which just came out last month. Have you guys seen that yet? Yeah, yeah I, mean, I really we, liked it. We haven't had that many of them so far. We just know that there will be a lot more coming within the next few years. But there was Cinderella as well and Alice in Wonderland. But I think I think Cinderella really was the first in this kind of line of remakes. This because phase. Well, yeah, because the Alice in Wonderland and Maleficent were like spinoff slash like like dramatization like they were original stories that were based off of disney films true true and these though these new ones with cinderella uh and the jungle book and then now beauty and the beast like they are almost like companions to the original animated movies yeah with and i think that's some why other the, liberties to it that's why the jungle book works so well it's just a beautiful updating and i think the jungle book made everybody trust Disney with these live action adaptations because you would have said a live action jung- Jungle Book how the hell do you do with that without it looking cheesy with the talking characters but that movie it's hard to believe but that whole movie was completely di- digital the only exception was the the kid Mowgli Mowgli yeah. yeah I will say um I really enjoyed the Jungle Book and it makes me really optimistic for what they're going to be able to do with their future live action films I do really wish that they would not include the singing. Mm. Um, that was literally the only part of the Jungle Book that kind of made me like, oh, this is a little bit lame. Especially the King Louis scene. Oh, oh God. my God. With, yeah. Christi- with Christopher Walken singing. <laughs> like, first of all, Christopher Walken makes me uncomfortable anyway. <laughs> I, I didn't know that Christopher Walken was voicing king louis when i saw it but i remember thinking oh king louis face looks like christopher walken fuck that and the voice was really bad and then i found out it was him and it was just it was bad like (laughs) and and if if emma watson is fucking singing in this movie oh i just feel like it the singing seems very out of place yeah in these movies it felt really out of place in the jungle book like i understand they put it there because they felt like they had to sort of pay homage to the cartoon but like i don't know they didn't even sing the bare necessities in it like i think yeah they did they very lightly sang it like they didn't sing the whole song that's why i thought the whole fucking song of want to be like you that's why i thought it worked actually because like bare necessities got in there but just it was a small. It was like a a little little. Tease. But I think you can't really compare the Beauty and the Beast singing to the Jungle Book singing because Beauty and the Beast, like a one of the best things about that movie, if yeah. not equally as important, is the music. And the Jungle Book, you know, the music is a nice companion. But like they they would have done fine without the singing. But I can't. I don't think you can make a Disney's Beauty and the Beast movie without the music and the singing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and they, I think you could, because Beauty and the Beast, yeah, because Beauty and the Beast was not originally a Disney story. Thank you. No, 
Okay, but this yeah, is but a people Disney, are excited about it because it is it Disney. Of, yeah, yeah. No, right, but but Laura's point is that of course you can tell the story without the singing because it was told without the singing originally. Yeah, if it's, it's not the same it wasn't as a hit. the Disney. Yeah, if it's not, it the was Disney a hit. Story. Why do you think Disney adapted it? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> no. But no, it became a hit because the adaptation was so good. I mean, if you live no, in like only the past like fifty years, yes. But there I mean, was time. Disney did a good job of making a animated Beauty and the Beast movie with the music. Fine. It, it's not a it's not a faithful adaptation in any Fine. way to the original story. But we're not arguing that. I'm just saying <laughs> that just, you can't remake a live action version of their animated Beauty and the Beast movie without the music from it. I agree. I agree. I, I, I don't think, think Beauty you and the Beast. It would no. It would not be. It would yeah. No. Well, and you also. Ju- I don't even know why we're fighting about this. <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> so I do. Because we're but like two minutes ago, Matt, you said that this movie was meant to be a companion, not to be like no a rehashing. I said Maleficent and Alice in Wonderland was. This is a re a live action remake of the original Disney movie. I mean, also, to be fair, you could have the music in it, but just not have them awkwardly stop in the middle of a scene to yes. sing it to you. So you could have all movies have music, and there's nothing wrong with that. You could incorporate those songs like in the background, like their mood. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it gets it's part of it's part of the the ambiance and like the mood of the movie. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have the character stop dead in their tracks look at the camera and start singing at you. Like no, there's fuck that. No, Mrs. Potts to has to sing. Incorporate Beauty and Beast. it. Whatever. I, I'm, I'm kind of, to be honest with you, to answer your fucking question, Andrew, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, well, I will, I am sure go and see it because of course I will, but I'm kind of over all these adaptations in general. Like I, I wish I want to see news stories I want to see something else. I want to see something different. I just don't you, give a shit. If you want to see something original, watch TV. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And I, getting back to the original point here, though, the fact that the Beauty and the Beast trailer surpassed Star Wars The Force Awakens in terms of trailer views, I think it just shows how big this movie is going to be. Thanks to the fact that the Disney animated version was so popular, not whatever Beauty and the Beast story came before it. <laughs> I think you guys are really wrong about that. I really hate everyone right now. <laughs> yeah, I I don't even know why I'm so bothered. I'm so upset with you all. I'm so fucking mad at you all. Taylor's oldest. No. Just oh, you. And, and just jumping back to that for a second, just final point here. Uh, definitely an important aspect of a musical is getting those transitions right in between the dialogue and the song. So not any movie can do it. But yeah, I think with a good director, maybe Bill Condon, who directed Dreamgirls, who's directing Beauty and the Beast, he can probably pull it off. Didn't Bill Condon also direct a Twilight movie? Yeah. Yeah, he did. He's working with better source material this time. (laughs) <laughs> which source material is that is, is the disney version yes lisa don't even go see this beauty and the beast because clearly you're gonna hate it it's, it's 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 based on the animated movie i don't hate the movie right now i hate the show <laughs> okay let's move on <laughs> all right there's something sweet well i 
I don't even, I can't even think of a way to transition into this. So we're just going to do fuck off Cupid, guys. Um, this <laughs> fuck is, off, Belle. <laughs> this is the segment where we read, we do sort of dramatic readings of your most ridiculous online dating interactions. And we also have small discussions about um, the social life of online dating. So today, our dramatic readings will be uh, by myself, Matt, and then Elisa. So you'll know that they're, uh, you'll know where the messages begin and end based on whose voice you're hearing. February 11th, 2016, 11.47 a.m. Damn! Curious to see why a pretty girl like you swiped on me? February 12th, 2016, 12.46 p.m. Sucks knowing I'm not attractive enough for you. March 24th, 2016, 11.17 p.m. You're lost not talking to me. I'm hung like a horse. (laughs) 10.23 a.m. Hey, I'm Mike. You're really cute. And it's awesome you teach the little ones. How old are they? Six? 12.53 a.m. I've got nine thick inches if you want it. Ow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, here we go. High on nail polish again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we should have said Matt's for last. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Hi. <laughs> Shut the. F- Everyone mute your mics. If I hear you laugh, I'm gonna laugh. Okay. Hi. There just had to check you out. Two two six seven eight two four seven seven. Chat to a real man, not a man boy. <laughs> then hit me up, or you can go past stepping in the past, or go forward. <laughs> or go forward into something real, real sexy love. You know you can call or text me. Feel free. Don't be shy. I won't bite unless it's okay with you to nibble a bit. Then, in that case, I'm all yours. Who knows? One nibble can't satisfy a little mice. He needs the cheese all to himself. (laughs) And nothing else will do. Anyways, don't be shy. Call or text Darasta Man. (laughs) That could be your all. Go for it. Take a chance at what could be, would be, will be marvelous. Amazing deep down with you in mind, body, and soul. Enough about that. Just go for a heart full of kisses and tender loving. P.S. If I'm not on the line, you know where to find me. Don't be shy. Because I think we could be together. Great together. Just like a kiss that needs the most sensual to kiss. It. And make it feel beautifully loved all the time, day and night. 
I lost it at the cheese part. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was something. I had to mute my mic. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, and I kept, I kept thinking it was over, and then you was, there was more. Oh my god. So like that, that submission came to us in four parts. It was four separate screenshots because it was so long. I want to stress that whoever wrote this wrote it out like William Shatner writing iambic pentameter. It was like, or just go forward into something real. (laughs) So here's the thing. Like this actually dovetails really beautifully into our topic. And the topic is social experiments in online dating. So, like, we have clearly um, had some fun at the expense of other OKCupid users in the last few weeks. Um, And I guess I'm just wondering, like, how often some of these guys are just fucking with us. Um, So, a couple of weeks ago, Andrew dared me to message random guys on there. (laughs) And what was it that you asked me to tell them to do, Andrew? Oh gosh, I'm forgetting. Uh, yeah, oh, oh, snapping a girl's turtle. Yeah. <laughs> so I messaged a whole bunch of random guys uh-huh. um, asking that during After Dark a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to share with you some of the replies that I got. Oh yes. Um, so the first one, I'm calling him Dude Number One. He said, "I'm just going to say yes, even though I really don't know what you were referring to." Ha ha. <laughs> and then and then one week later he messaged me again and he was like, Would you please tell me what snapping a girl's turtle means? I'm so curious. <laughs> um the second guy said no, flat out. The third guy replied and said, You're so cute, it's distracting. And he used the wrong your. He used Y-O-U-R. That bothered me. Um and then the fourth guy just messaged me and said, I'd like to see you. And then five days later, messaged me again and said, can I come see you? He was really <laughs> scary. He had, like, really scary mouth piercings and things. So, like, I guess the question is, after clearly fucking with a few of these guys, I have to wonder, like, how many of these bizarre and inappropriate messages are from guys who are just doing the same kind of social experiment? Like, this this Rasta man who fucking wrote iambic pentameter or whatever the fuck to this girl like do we think he was serious i or is he actually that stunted no i really think they're serious laura i don't i think there's once in a blue moon you'll get somebody who's just on there for shits and giggles but i think i think they're stunted or this is what i will say you know how so actually just this morning i was subject to quite a bit of street harassment, just totally out of nowhere. Like these two guys were like kind of somewhat following me and telling me how they wanted to ride my ass. Oh my God. Oh yeah. And I'm thinking to myself as this is happening, I'm like, when has this ever worked for you? The answer is never, but they still do it anyway. So it's not about the woman or, or engaging in a relationship with the woman or sometimes the man. It's not about that. I think it's about in their own little head. It's just entertaining for them, and it's an, it's somehow like a power trip. I think it's a I think it's a power ploy, and I think some of these messages are often just virtual manifestations of street harassment, effectively. 
I think they also just have nothing to lose. So that's why they send these messages or harass people in the street. It's like, why not? They get a little kick out of it. And uh, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter. Like in the case of the internet, if you're throwing these random messages at people online, um, you, you've got nothing to lose by doing it because what's the worst that can happen? They can block you. I yeah I kind of I kind of agree to an extent. I think they know that that nothing's going to happen or nothing's going to come of it. So that's what really just fuels them to just say whatever they want because they know that it's really just them saying whatever they want. It's kind of like how people troll on the internet. Like they just say random shit knowing that there's no repercussions for it really. What do you think, Laura? You I feel like you're subject to some of this kind of bullshit. Oh, uh, yeah. More, more than even I am. Why? <laughs> well, I mean, on OkCupid, I'm saying, like, you always get, like, way funnier messages than I do. You know, that that's probably an entirely separate topic unto itself. Like, is there something about having green hair that brings out the weirdos? I don't know. But um, have people messaged you about the hair? Oh, definitely. Um, lots of guys have used it as their opener because they're super original. Um, before, the opener used to be, oh, like, how is the transition from New York to Georgia? What's that like? And then I took, that, I took that out of my profile because I got sick of guys trying to open up with that. Mm. Um, so then I changed my picture to show my green hair. And now that's the the discussion opener um i i agree to a pretty significant extent with elisa actually about the i the idea of it being a power play um especially when it comes to street harassment i mean she's completely right like i don't think that any guy anywhere has ever gotten laid from saying hey nice ass as somebody walks by, it's more about trying to sort of exert or rather assert dominance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like just this really weird, like wolfish, like mating ritual, which I find very strange. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I don't understand why we still have so many men in this day and age doing this, especially now that women are becoming so vocal about not liking it and not appreciating it. So because unless it yeah. ha- unless the guy is exposed online for being a total asshole <laughs> like someone we know, then uh, right. they can still do it without any issue. Yeah, well and let's I mean let's refer back to that, that topic. I mean, he was and we're talking about Ben Shane. I have no problem saying his name. Um it's like Voldemort. So, <laughs> Fear so exactly. He was, you know, it was big news for a minute online and then it sort of like dissipated. It, I it think was- that, I think that sexual harassment and online harassment, um, particularly of women, tends, it's like sort of accepted. In a way, it's kind of like none of us likes it, but how do we stop it? And so there's a, a certain amount of inevitability about it. And I think it makes people feel a little bit helpless 
to change it. So they read these stories and they're like, oh, God, that's terrible. What a fucking asshole. But then they move on from it because what are they going to do about it? Yeah. In the case of Ben, too, it was the story of the day. It was just like mm-hmm. the latest example of of online harassment and a great example. And not to mention this, the person who he was harassing was a BuzzFeed. Like, yeah, of course, yeah. that story is going to go viral. <laughs> but it's a perfect example of what women have to go through both on the Internet and in general in, in, in everyday life on a daily basis. Yep. I would I I actually heard this story um someone a friend of a friend who's on OKCupid and she was telling us how she went out on this date with this guy and it just wasn't it just wasn't clicking for her he was a little I don't know a little weird and she you know at the end of the night she was just like all right well thank you and goodbye and whatever and then he immediately text messaged her asking her out a second time and she was like you know I appreciate that but I just don't think that this was for me. She showed me these messages, so she I could verify she was being quite polite about it. And he responded back and said, "It doesn't matter. You were too fat for me anyway." Ooh. And this is that's that's it's it's funny because sometimes we get flack for, um, I don't know, like the way that we respond or like you know sometimes like oh you should have been nicer about it or whatever. It doesn't matter how no. we. How we choose to I, – I am a proponent of being kind-hearted and considerate. But that, that said, it doesn't matter. Like you're going if to you, if, – if you offer rejection, you're going to get insulted. No yeah. What. I actually had that happen to me at a bar once. There was this guy who was like hardcore hitting on me. Like it was getting really uncomfortable. Like it was to the point where he was actually physically – like making physical contact. Mm-hmm. And I finally got pissed. He was very drunk. And I finally got pissed and I turned around and I grabbed him by the shoulders and I shoved him down into a chair and said, don't fucking touch me. And after that, he started like sitting a few feet behind me and calling me all of these terrible names, like yelling them out so the whole bar could hear them. And of course, everybody thought he was the asshole, like nobody was judging me. But it was just one of those moments where it's like this person very clearly wanted my attention and he was going to try and get it no matter what, whether he was giving me what he perceived to be positive attention or then really negative attention. So it's just it's super fucked up. Yeah, no, fuck that guy. I will say I know this veers off a little bit from like the online dating thing. But we were talking before about what, what can you even do about it? I will say that, that men speaking up is one of the most effective Mm -hmm. ways of actually accomplishing change. Because if you think about it, obviously it's not the, the type, the caliber of man who is, for example, engaging in street harassment or being, you know, fucking douche canoe to Laura at a bar, the caliber of man who's doing that doesn't have any level of respect or consideration for women. And so if we speak up, if we say something, if we get in their face, we'll just keep getting it twofold and then tenfold and then et cetera. It'll just escalate just like when Laura stood up for herself, he just kept shouting out obscenities and getting belligerent. That's what will happen if we speak up. And we still should anyway. We should Mm -hmm. anyway on principle. We should. But they're not the type of person who's going to give a damn what a woman says. But they might actually care what a man says. 
And that's why it's so critical that we have but we have dudes as, as allies in this whole thing. You're you know, like yeah. a, a guy speaks up and says something and now that person's going to kind of feel they're going to cower a little bit. They'll feel ashamed, like whatever, like they want to be like a man's man. And if they know that's not working, that's probably what will affect change. Yeah. I actually had an experience with that once too. Like it ended up being a really positive thing. Like I was out with a guy friend of mine and this one guy kept hitting on me and like wouldn't leave me alone and kept like asking me for my number. And I kept telling him no, like trying, I wasn't being maybe that direct and being like looking in his face and saying no, but I was definitely giving off all of the social cues that say, I don't want to talk to you. Like I was turning my back to him. Um, I was refusing to answer him when he spoke to me. And finally it got to the point where my, my male friend like was like, hey, dude, why don't you just like write your number down on a piece of paper and give it to her? And if she wants to call you, she will. Mm-hmm. And the guy did it and I threw the number in the trash. But I mean, it was it was kind of it was nice to have somebody there in the moment to like really diffuse the situation. But it was also really frustrating to be like he respected my friend more than he respected me. Mm-hmm. And that was really fucking frustrating. I logged back into my OKCupid profile. I'm back in it. Back in action. All right. Well, onto well, onto the simming. So much simming in your future. That might come in handy, Andrew, because in After Dark, we're going to keep this conversation going a little bit, but we're going to turn it into a game where oh. I'm going to give you guys actual questions from OKCupid, like the kind that determine your match percentage, and you all are forced to answer them and if you don't, if you take more than one pass, you're going to have to do something embarrassing on on your profile. Either you're going to have to like oh, message no. people, message people and plug millennial and be like, <laughs> "Do you do you even know who I am? Do you know I'm kind of a big deal?" You either have to do that or or you're going to have to uh, read your profile out on air. For everybody, so there will be one loser oh, in this game, but that's an after dark. I'm I, pumped for it. I actually have something kind of obnoxious in my profile from three years ago. Good, I don't change wait. it. Yeah, don't I'll, I'll it. save it. it. Is it like I run the number one Harry Potter podcast? On the <laughs> it's cl- it's actually really close to that. Really close. I run the 700th most popular general entertainment news podcast on iTunes. <laughs> That's oh. not what it says. Oh. Oh, well, sorry. That was just a joke, you guys. I was about, I felt kind of sad for you for a minute. I was talking about millennial. Never mind. Oh, we know. Oh, okay. I felt sad for us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have a few AP choices here. We're going to get through these quickly. They, they just warrant some quick answers. Um, these are the people who support us at the $10 level on Patreon. Patreon.com slash millennial. This first one's from Angela. She has a good question about online petitions. Kind of getting to our, this kind of relates to our protesting discussion a couple weeks ago. Is there really a point to online petitions, she asks. Has there seriously ever been a case where something has changed because of one of these? And if these don't work, how can we get our voice out there to really change something if possible? Um, I think they can work, sort of. First of all, 
online petitions are just as valid as you know physical written petitions. Um, so there's really no difference. In, in fact, I would argue they're probably even more impactful because you can share them widely and you can get media traction with them. Um, also, it should be noted that the White House has a policy that if you collect 100,000 signatures in 30 days, they must review it. They will review the petition and offer an official response. And that's the case even for online petitions. So, yeah, I think – I think they can get the ear of of policymakers if uh, you know you're not a crazy person about it, and you actually, it's an issue that matters. Yeah, I and we- I mean, you can also get some really interesting issues um, addressed by the White House. I believe a couple years ago there was a petition that reached a hundred thousand signatures in thirty days to make the Star Wars theme music our national anthem. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and the White House responded. Yeah. And so. I, I kind of think online peti- petitions like that hurt the whole idea of online petitions. Because if you go to change.org, you can see a lot of random shit on there. They do a good job of curating it so you don't mm-hmm. see that shit usually. At least not on the homepage. But I kind of consider like online petitions being like the original hashtag trending topic. Yeah. Yeah. I will say though, the petition does have to be like verified. It can't. It has to. It has to have like verified source code. That way, they can actually tell that each individual signature is a real signature. So I wouldn't. It doesn't mean shit if it's just like a Google Doc. You know what I mean? Yeah. It has to come from like an actual authenticated vendor. And the White House on their website actually has uh, a format uh, that you can use for online petitions. So if you're thinking about it, go there. Can that- we do one to get the White House to recognize simming? <laughs> we should absolutely do that on change.org <laughs> tonight. Yes. So, yeah. Um, yeah. If you want to do it through an official source, I recommend change.org. It's great. And it's easy to share your petition and, and they can get it to the right people. Change. All right. Next one. This is from Alicia. In the last episode of Last Week Tonight, John Oliver mentioned how the Canadian Prime Minister spent a lot of time on his apology after he accidentally elbowed someone. Meanwhile, Obama just announced that he won't be issuing an apology to Hiroshima for the U.S. obliterating it in 1945, when some argue it wasn't totally necessary, but that's besides the point. I was wondering if you guys could discuss official government apologizes, apologies. I know the U.S. apologized for the detention of Japanese Americans to Native Hawaiians and Native Americans, but have they apologized for slavery or any wars in the past? Do apologies matter when it's decades or centuries later? Should we try to be more like Canada in the way they frequently apologize? I'd like to hear your opinions. Sorry, sorry. I think these types of apologies are more symbolic than anything else, right? Because what else do they do? Yeah, they are symbolic. It's not policy. That doesn't mean it's that doesn't mean it's an uh, it's empty symbolism though. I mean, did I, I can't remember did 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 Japan uh, apologize for the the bombing at Pearl Harbor? I don't not know, to, but not to my knowledge. I don't I don't think that we should be making decisions about whether or not we issue apologies based on what other countries have done. Like, I really think that if you are making the call to give an apology or not to give an apology, you're making that call for yourself. You're not doing it in response to somebody else. So like, yeah, I get that Japan attacked us first, but 
that's very childish to say well, like I want to well, know they, why they, this they, is they bombed us first so they should well, yeah apologize first i I don't know. I don't. I don't really like that. I want to know why they're asking why Obama isn't apolo- issuing an apology. Like, has this been like a story every time a president visits Japan in the past? Like, I don't know since, since the war started. Alicia's wondering it because John Oliver brought it up with the Canadian Prime yeah. Minister. He apologized like four or five. Yeah, times but that's not an official apology, though. That's not like a government. It's apology. a minor one compared to, you know. Larger apologies that Obama might issue, but the thing that to keep the thing to keep in mind with official government apologies is that you you do have to be careful only because if you if you make an apology for having done something, you're making an apology for that for for all that came after it too. In you know in terms of history. So I think it's a pretty clear cut case like Japanese internment camps in in the U.S. Everything that came after it was categorically horrible, and we should be apologizing mm-hmm. for that. But some people argue that what came after Hiroshima was not categorically horrible. It ended the war and spared many lives. I'm not saying I adhere to that. I'm saying that that is a very legitimate, um, popular view. And so if you apologize for Hiroshima, are you also apologizing for the tens of thousands, maybe millions of lives that you saved as a result of ending the war so quickly, that's the question that would follow that logically. And so the government has to be careful about it. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I would be fine apologizing for Hiroshima. It's pretty fucked, but you, that, that's their thinking. Great analysis by Elisa, as usual. You know what I want Obama to apologize for? Ruining this country. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> Trump 2016. Okay, one more. This is a little more lighthearted. This is from Jared. I think an interesting debate in light of the recent movie release would be who is Team Iron Man and who is Team Captain America? The premise of the movie, without spoiling anything, is that the United Nations want to pass legislation that would prevent the Avengers from just going into situations without an invitation. The Avengers would essentially be under the direct supervision of the UN Security Council. Iron Man feels that without limitations, they're no better than the bad guys. But Captain America worries about the consequences of giving up the power to choose where to go. Of course he does. What if they are sent somewhere they think they should not go? So are you guys, are are you on Team Iron Man or Team Cap? I'm on Um, Team Spider-Man. I mean, the only redeeming thing about that. I haven't seen this movie. Uh, I mean, I you know, I think I think the UN is oftentimes a very good thing, and um, I think Captain America is just being very American about well, this. You see, Laura, in Captain America: Civil War, Captain America says that the safest hands are our own, and I agree with Captain America. I don't think they should leave it up to the UN. I think they've got a good group of people there, including Iron Man, Vision, and other great superheroes who can protect the world on their own. They're not going out there to fight enemies just for fun. They're doing it because these enemies are destroying the world, and they have to get in there Mm -hmm. without the UN blocking them and just go kick some ass. Sure, they're going to kill some lives, and that's part of the debate. They're going to affect innocent lives, but there's bigger issues at stake here there's major enemies afoot 
I I am. I mean, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. I'll just say that. It's true. It's true. You sound like you're on Team Iron Man then. I would say I'm also on Team Iron Man too, mainly because Captain America makes me nervous because to him, like, the war is never over, that he does not really want the fight to ever really end because that's really his main purpose is to always fight the bad guys or whoever the uh, uh, the opposing team is. But that's and really always the superhero Matt, issue, isn't no, it? No, that's not true. I mean, Iron Man especially, like his team, like they are trying to make it to where they don't have to always like take matters in their into their own hands or they, they don't they want the world to be you know safer or at least at least the big villains are will not be there anymore because neither will the superheroes mm. Matt just got like super orwellian on us <laughs> The whole like the war is not meant to be won. The war is meant to be continuous thing. Yeah, that's true for Captain America. Did you yeah. don't you remember in um, the Avengers when they all no. looked at like their? Elise is over it. Elise is over it. I'm done. I'm going Captain America because he has a stronger jawline, and I like I like that. It's kind of hot. I so. just want to see Cap and Bucky. Fuck. Hashtag Stucky. Whoa. Yeah. So, Stucky. The worst you- name ever. Uh, you guys clearly aren't on Tumblr because otherwise that not would have been news to you. All right. Well, then between Bucky and Captain America, who would be the simmer and who would be the simmy? Um, I would like to see Bucky eat a donut off Captain America's cock. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna agree. <laughs> yeah, he has. Right, maybe he's the one who sent that that right. message earlier. He has nine inches. <laughs> Wait, what is it? He has nine thick inches if we want it. <laughs> uh, how many donuts do you think you could fit on nine inches? Six. Uh, yeah, I'd say six. <laughs> no, probably not. I mean, Matt, it, Matt's tried this. What's the height of a donut? Like an inch and a half? It's about four or five, give or take a hole. What are okay. you talking about? What four or donut five donuts. Is, oh, four or five. I would say probably only four donuts. Hmm. Well, now we're going to have to. Now I'm curious. I'm bringing a ruler to Dunkin' Donuts the next time I go. Well, that, Six that inch heels. It depends on if your nine inch guy is over or underestimating. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, um, we invite you all to be our guest to our website, millennialshow.com, where you can get all the information you need about this show. Uh, you can also visit urbandictionary.com and search for the term simming. To see my lasting legacy, you can even buy a mug. <laughs> yeah, please, please upload it. Which I think is remarkable. <laughs> God, <laughs> so excited for that mug. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and please uh, support us on Patreon if you can. Patreon.com slash millennial. It, uh, Patreon has an app. It, they introduced it shortly after we started doing this podcast. And it makes it so easy to check out all of our bonus content. You can watch vlogs. Matt and Elisa just posted vlogs this week. Matt did like, I felt like I was watching like the cooking channel or something. It was remarkable. I was cooking. Yeah, watching you cook. But you had like the camera angles, like you had the above angle, you had the side angle. It was crazy. Yeah, it took like six mm. hours. I need to watch this. And what'd you make? I made poutine. 
How was it? It was fucking amazing. Hmm. It was so good. I think I, I actually it shows on the camera. I did cry a little bit when I was using it. <laughs> <laughs> crying why I was cool because i was fucking starving i didn't think it was gonna make like six hours to make <laughs> you have nice cookware too oh, really really feels like a professional production and matt's wearing his millennial shirt i am and and elisa is on her blog too oh elisa yours is good too <laughs> no it's really not 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 compared to that jesus <laughs> yeah what am i gonna do to top that jeez <laughs> well, you can show us how to sim. Oh, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah so Patreon, Patreon.com slash millennial. Our outro song this week is the very appropriate Beauty and the Beast, a movie that Elisa and Laura are very excited for because they cannot <laughs> wait for an adaptation of Fuck the Disney all. animated classic. All of you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm over this shit. <laughs> I'm Laura. <laughs> and I'm Matt. See everybody next week. Goodbye. Ugh, this is going to be so fucking stupid in a live action movie. I mean, yeah, it could be fucking stupid. It's for sure going to be fucking stupid. We're going to watch Hermione Granger sing to a spoon. <laughs> Entertaining. We tell jokes, I do tricks with my fellow candlesticks. Put it all in.